Imagine, if you will, on this day, the first official day of winter, that we are being transported across continents to just north of the equator, where the celebration of winter is a little different. A couple hundred miles away from where we land, the world is turning towards summer. And just imagine how the seasons are different with equatorial living. What stories would we tell in addition to the ones we tell every year? And so we find ourselves today in the Orinoco River Delta in Venezuela. Little Venice is what it means. Uh, Veneziola, the first impression of European colonizers as they entered the Delta. There on that river Delta live a resilient people, the Werau. In their language, Werau simply translates to the boat people. Um, now, colonization was not kind to the Werau. Uh, was it ever kind to any indigenous people? They worship a heavenly adventurer, the, the great hunter. Um, they have open and fluid understandings about sexuality and human relationships. Uh, shamans enact rites and ceremonies. Their language is not related to any other language. It's what linguists call an isolate. And they live high above the water delta, uh, the river delta, on stilted homes. Uh, to the Europeans, they were at once an oddity, and sadly, through the lens of colonial Catholicism, they were to be forcibly converted. Now, I don't quite know their full history. I, I want to know more. But at 38,000 strong today, they've resisted attempts to erase them from history. They still speak their unique language. They still worship the great primordial hunter, living life as their adventuring god would. They still live in their stilt homes, avoiding the flooding delta, traveling in their boats through the Orinoco. Now, I, I won't say their lives are perfect in Venezuela. No, far from it. But this is why we are going there today on this winter solstice day. This is why we are climbing into the boat and traveling down the river delta and receiving a gift, a story. Not just an ancient story, though it has been told and handed down for generations amongst the Werau. No, it's, it's a story told today, ancient and present. It's helpful for us to know that if you are a Werau, the world is overflowing with awareness. Everything has a spirit. Even the things we create have dreams and visions. The leaves of a plant, the boat on the river, the coming of winter. Dreams and visions. And so, we hear a story. In the beginning, when the first peoples lived along the banks of the Orinoco River, there was no light. Well, except for the wooden torches the people would light in the villages. There was no day, no night, only torches along the river. The rest of the world was wrapped in darkness. And so in the village lit by torches, there was a chief. And he was a proud man and had two daughters he loved very much. The chief had recently heard a story about a man living in the darkness outside the village who kept something called light. This thing called light would, the chief heard, make it so they did not have to light torches anymore. So the chief called for his eldest daughter and said to her, Go and see where this light keeper is and bring me that light. He blessed his daughter with air from his lungs so the spirits of the plants, water, and sky would protect her. She put on her most colorful apron, dazzling colors, what we might call a dress, but it was for special occasions. 
All the colors the Orinoco Delta gave in abundance, dazzling around her. She gathered some food for the journey and off into the darkness she went with a torch in hand. Coming upon many roads in the eternal night, she chose to go left instead of right, or was it north instead of south, east instead of west, up instead of down. No one really knows what she did. She chose a road and came upon the house of deer. Now, deer had kind eyes, fuzzy antlers like tree branches, and she decided to stay with deer and they fell in love. They laughed and talked and enjoyed the long nights together. And at long last, she decided to return home and to her father's disappointment, she did not bring the light. The father was annoyed, of course. So he called for his youngest daughter. Go, my favorite daughter, he said to her. Find the light keeper and bring me the light. He blessed her in the same way he had blessed the eldest daughter and promised to play a song for her as she searched so she would remember why she was in the darkness. The youngest daughter did not yet have a colorful apron to wear, but she combed her hair carefully and off she went. Down the dark roads, up, down, east, west, north, south, backwards and forwards, she could hear her father's flute in the distance and suddenly the roads before her took shape. It was as if each road had a face, Some were old, some kind, some young, some mean, some tired, and so on. And so she went with the strongest, wisest, and oldest face. And down that road she went. And there it was, the lightkeeper's house. The lightkeeper was as young as the road was old. And she told the lightkeeper, My father sent me to bring back the light. The lightkeeper laughed and, as often happens in these stories, said, I've been waiting for you. A long time. Come, stay with me. The lightkeeper picked up a box of intricately and tightly woven itariti leaves. And the leaves, the box itself, the created thing, and the contents, all of it, were full of dreams, as was everything in life to the werao. He carefully opened it for the daughter, and out came the light. Their skin glowed a beautiful brown in the light. Their dark hair and deep brown eyes came alive. The daughter had never seen anything like it. It was not torchlight. It was different. The light keeper closed the box, but promised that every day she stayed with him, he would open it so they could enjoy it together. Every time the light was shining, they laughed and laughed and laughed and delighted. One day, the youngest daughter remembered why she had come to the light keeper. Her father wanted the light. The light keeper understood and bid her farewell, hugging her tightly. And to her surprise, he gave her the itariti box, full of dreams and light. Take it with you, he said. And so she journeyed home. She found her father sleeping and woke him. Father, I've come home, and she showed him the box. And he hung it in great delight and proudness from one of the stilts on his house. And in so doing, it cracked open just a little bit. And the dreams and light slowly drifted out of the box, illuminating the Orinoco River and everything in and beyond the village. People from nearby villages came to sea, traveling in their boats along the river, now knowing the way because of the light. 
In their sleep, they suddenly saw images that delighted them. The people had dreams too now. Everyone wanted to see the light and have dreams of their own. More and more they came and they kept coming until the chief realized something. Enough of this, he exclaimed. I have been wrong. Everyone wants the light and deserves it. Here it is. Let the light be for everyone. Let everyone dream. And so the chief took hold of the box and hurled it full of its light and dreams into the sky. It flew across the sky, emptying out from east to west. The light became the sun, and the box, still full of dreams, became the moon. And so the day and night were created. Because the chief had thrown the box so hard, <laughs> the light and dark cycled rapidly. Like, we're talking about really short days, maybe a couple hours at most. And so the chief had an idea, though. He gathered up a small turtle and called out to the newborn son, Son, I have a present for you, but you must wait for her, for turtles are very slow, and share her with your friend, the moon. The chief played his flute as the turtle journeyed to the sun, and when the turtle finally arrived, the sun walked the turtle slowly to the moon. And there they are. Every day and every night, sun and moon walking a turtle's pace, full of light and dreams on the banks of the Orinoco. That story is for you, each and every one of you, a gift from the Warao people. It's for the plants and animals, too. It's for the coffee cup on your table, the computer screen you're looking at, the book you just read, the song you sung, the air you breathe, the presents you wrapped, the chill of winter, and the returning of the light. It is a story full of light and dreams. And here we are on the cusp of the winter solstice, both the longest night and the rebirth of the sun. The days will get longer now, though the nights remain cold. This time of year is full of celebrations of the light and dark. We wear our finest colorful aprons. Today we might call them ugly Christmas sweaters. And we journey into life not knowing where the roads will lead us. We celebrate Yule, we celebrate Solstice, we celebrate Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, all the festivals of light. Some of them lining up with the season, some of them uh, will return once more. And in those journeys and in those celebrations, we find companions along the way, living our lives in delight after an uncertain journey in the dark. And sometimes, just sometimes, we discover the warmth of light illuminating our skin, hair, eyes, illuminating our lives, showing us our worth and our beauty, reminding us that though life can be hard, there are still dreams to be dreamt. Now, I love this story from the Wear Out people. I, I love the imagery. I love getting to know a people I honestly don't know very well, and I find myself deeply moved and grateful to know them through the story, their elders, past, present, and emerging to know they still live on that river delta and tell this story time and time again. There's one piece of the story, though, that's left unsaid. Though if you think like one of the Warao, it's not just underneath the story, it is the story. 
This time of year, even amidst a pandemic, we've seen the commercials, the advertisements. Black Friday has lasted for months for some companies. Daily deals on Amazon, buy more stuff, more, 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 more. And my least favorite thing this time of year are the car commercials. The newest one where I yell at the TV is where a man buys his wife a puppy and she buys him a massive truck. Now, I don't want to guilt you for buying something for people you love and care about. But the drive for more, for never enough, we live in a commodity culture. Bought, sold, rinse, repeat. In this story from the Werau, we see a chief who wants the light for himself. He thinks it's something he could have only for himself, and yet the people still came. They came to feel its warmth. They came, they came to have dreams of their own. And in realizing this, the chief gave it away for everyone. For the Werau people, Gift-giving is the heartbeat of community. And not just giving a gift as we would define it, but the plants giving their lives as food, the animals, the river, dreams and light and dark of night. Everything is a gift to be given, and it weaves together the community of the Werau, which includes all things. When a gift is given among the Werau, it is imbued with dreams. The dreams of the person who made it, the dreams of the component parts, the dreams of the created thing, and the dreams of the person receiving. What a different way to look at the world. And that is the promise of solstice for us today, coming from the Werau people. The days have grown shorter and are full of dreams in the night. The light returns today full of dreams in lengthening days. We decorate homes, give gifts, sing songs, dreams of each person, each thing, each moment. And so I wonder, if that is our call as a religious people in 2020, after this year, when dreams have been taken away from most of it, when many of us woke up to the inequities around us, to toxic work demands in a culture that just won't stop, and in many ways still hasn't stopped, dreams are still being denied to black mothers and their children, to refugees at our border, to every person in an ICU bed, to everyone that has been swept up in conspiracies and falsehoods, to everyone and everything that constitutes our lives. We've all had the loss of dreams this year, some more than others. So what's the call in this loss? We can't hurl a box of light and dreams into the sky, and we have no turtle to give to the sun and moon to slow down our lives. That story already happened for the Werau, and for the world. And here we are, in this winter twilight, at this burning center, with our chants and our kindling of flames. We are called to be a people who give dreams to the world. And how poetic is that, right? But in that poetry, there are brass tacks aplenty. We attune ourselves to the cycles of this world, of ours, taking notice of the returning sun. And there it is, the dreams of the world, we could rant and rave about commodity culture all day. It won't change a thing. But a small radical act of gift culture, of recognizing the gifts given to us each day, the gifts we give. And if you've been with me this entire time, you know it isn't just about shiny presents. It's about the gift of justice, the gift of accountability, right relationship, our values, our tradition, showing up, of finding our place of a life well lived in the pursuit of ideals and the wisdom we have to share with the coming generations. It's about navigating this community 
and removing any notion of commodity culture from it. Do not let this be a church that is a spiritual vending machine. But instead, let it be a dream given and believed in. On this solstice day, as winter comes and the cold settles in, um, and yet the days lengthen, how will you give new dreams to the world? And so, down the river we go, dear friends. Happy solstice. Blessed be. Amen.